Thank you, congregation. Thank you, Denny. Thoughtful, insightful. Words. In this series that I'm going through in my mind and then sharing with you, <clears throat> I, like, I like to share what I uh, discover and what I think about, and then on Sundays when we come, I'm able to just kind of um, say to you, hey, this is where I've been, this is where I want to tell you where I've been. I've been dealing with, in my mind, um, the broader picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which for me entails understanding what is behind it, what facilitated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because quite honestly, um, that is the linchpin of our faith. Without the resurrection of Christ, or if we believe, as Paul wrote, that Christ only lived in this world, today we, are, we will be, of all people, most miserable. So it is a linchpin. So for me, I, I, I've been, I guess, plowing the ground, looking at, revisiting old uh, thoughts regarding power, but more specifically, the power of God. And what I see and what I've been anxious to share is that the power of God uh, is, is not to be uh, attributed just on Easter. In other words, the power of God is not uh, something we celebrate once a year. The power of God is, has been given and provided and offered to all of us throughout our days, throughout the year, in various ways. Now, we can focus and we will focus on the power of God in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But as we have seen, the power of God is behind uh, sometimes things that are just so wondrous to me. The first study that we saw, of course, uh, was the power of God was behind a changed life, Zacchaeus. That was the power of God that brought that about. And the bearer of the power of God and the explainer of the power of God was Jesus Christ. And that's why he was able to go to Zacchaeus' home and explain to him and talk to him. And so that power had the ability to change uh, Zacchaeus. And that is the essence of power. If you recall, power, dunamis, or power is the ability to affect a change on something or someone. There is power in that. The second one we saw, of course, was the power uh, to raise Lazarus, and the power of God was behind that. Uh, what is that? That life, the power of God brings life to death. 
And I think that that is very symbolic, though it was not a resurrection, it was a raising of Lazarus. I think it's symbolic and a precursor to what we need to understand, and that is that the power of God can facilitate the most incredible, impossible things, which we saw last week. This week, I want to look at the power of God as it opens our heart. We become enlightened, and it is through and from the power of God. I'm going to begin with a text written by Paul to the church at Ephesus, but we'll quickly move to one character that I want to follow. The character is Mary. Her sister was Martha. We've already seen a couple of things, but I want to refocus on Mary, and I want to uh, lay out how I believe that the power of God through Jesus Christ is what opened her heart, enlightened her, which would explain my other text, which is the anointing of the feet of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul wrote. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may he give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, so that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope behind the calling, and that you may also know what is the exceeding greatness. And let's underline this in our minds, all right, on our own minds chalkboard. That you understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So here we have a declaration of the scripture that the power of God also has the ability and can affect a change in our understanding of something. More specifically, our understanding of Jesus Christ and of God. And I think that's what the psalmist meant when he wrote, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, power, as I say, it has the ability to affect a change. But let's look at for just a moment about the power of enlightenment, or let's say enlightened, enlightened. The power of light, all right? Light has a power. And it's a very unique power in that it is able to overcome darkness. When you have complete darkness in a room, one small bit of light, small, is able to overcome darkness in that space. It also light purifies, they say, you know, the best disinfectant is the sun. Another interesting thing is that light as a power, the power of light, it permeates completely the space. And I like the idea that light, when it's from the sun, it warms. Now, Jesus Christ, what did he say? 
I am the light of the world. So what he's declaring and what we, I think we can surmise here is that Jesus Christ is the bearer of the power of God. And in this case, we're going to focus in on light. Now, as I said, uh, we can think of different things, uh, uh, how power affects things, power of water and power of... But I want to look more at the power of the light and more specifically in caricature of the light of the words of Jesus Christ. And that's what brings me to the first occasion of Mary. The scriptures tell us in Luke chapter 10 that Jesus was going through a certain village and there was a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his words. However, Martha was distracted with much serving And so she approached him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part. And that will not ever be taken away from her. What was that good part? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening for the first time, perhaps, of words that she had never heard before. And those words were so powerful and so enlightening to her that She would not let any other distractions take the place, and she could not leave the feet of Jesus Christ. It was life-changing for her, and I think it was the beginning of, of something in her life that illustrates that the power of God also is that which can affect, and in this case, enlighten our hearts. So let's say on that first day in the house when Jesus was there and Martha was fixing things and Lazarus was there, Mary was sitting there just listening. She couldn't not listen. Why? Because she was hearing things and realizing things that she never had before. What's behind that? The power of God. The power of God is like what I said the psalmist said, is that it gives light. When we read, we hear the words of God. And as Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Once you begin to listen to that, our hearts do begin to change. And not only our hearts... But you see, the power of God, once it begins to enlighten us, begins to affect our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit. It begins to give us a horizon that we did not, were not able to see. Reason is because we know that 
The one thing that uh, a lot of people struggle with, both in life uh, and everything and in the heart, is darkness. Darkness of the heart, darkness of the mind and things. But I'm reminded of what the prophecy was of Jesus Christ when he was to come. Isaiah chapter 9 says this, he says, The people that walked in darkness, they will have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. So Mary was the recipient, was the, uh, I guess, the receiver of what God had always promised, and that was that through his power, in the face and presence of his son Jesus Christ, he would bring light to people. And that light is powerful, is very powerful. And this light that uh, Mary was beginning to discover was coming simply from the words of Jesus Christ. Now, I find it also interesting that when we look at the word or when we try to understand power, we have to, at least in my mind, I, I kind of go through this. Some powers exist, but then there's always another power, and it's greater power. And so, you know, we, let me qualify this. The power of God is not subservient, is not less than any other power on the face of the earth. And therein is where we're going on the resurrection. Even death. Cannot, cannot refute the power of God. And that's what we'll see in the resurrection. But until we get there, here's what the scriptures say, Isaiah. God himself says this, As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return, but water and earth and makes it bring forth and bud and that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. Now, to me, that is a qualification that the power of God is the greatest power there is. And as such... If we have the power of God that begins to enlighten our hearts, there is no other power that can remove that. And that's exactly what he told Martha regarding Mary. She has chosen the good thing to listen to my words. Why? Because my words are light and it will never be taken from her. In the next section that I would like to look at, we saw last week. We know the story of Lazarus, of course. We looked at that uh, last week. But let me recount a few things. Without the power of God, on that particular day, which we looked at last week, which was the death of Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus, on that day... Without the power of God, nor the realization of it, that day was characterized by disbelief, uh, by doubt, by despair. Martha is the one who initiated it. Let me read. Uh, Jesus made his way with his disciples to the house because he had been told 
that Lazarus was sick, and he finally told his disciples, no, Lazarus is dead. And so I was coming to the house. There were many other people there who came to Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Just a footnote, comfort of words of people just don't reach down into the depths of the heart a lot of times. They good intentions, but it takes something more powerful than kind words to reach into the heart of the grieving. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus began to explain to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, well, I know he'll rise again later at the end of time and at the, at the resurrection. And Jesus looked at Martha and said, I, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? I believe that you are the Christ. When she had said that, she went back to her way, and she called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master has come and is calling for thee. As soon as she heard that, Mary, she arose quickly and came unto him where he was. Now Jesus was not yet quite in the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. So they were there. Mary saw that she, Mary had gone out and Martha had followed her. When Mary was come to where Jesus was, again, note this. When Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell down at his feet. That's unlike Martha, why? Well, I think for Mary, she was beginning to understand something about Jesus Christ, her teacher, her friend, one that she loved. But it was not just about Jesus. It was about what was behind him, what was in him, the power of God. She fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews weeping, he groaned, was troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? All the while, and here's what I want us to picture. Mary was there at his feet, prostrate, let's say, just there looking at him. Martha was there, standing there. Others had come around too. They were all there. Martha even had enough to say that, you know, wish you would have been here. And anyway, but Mary is just there at his feet. Okay, was she crying? Was she weeping? Yes, of course. But she was about to have more enlightenment because at that point, she did not quite fully understand the full scope of the power of God on that day. So she heard Jesus say, take away the stone." Then she heard her sister say, well, Lord, he's already been dead four days and he's begun to stink. Mary heard that. Jesus then said, take away the stone. And the interesting thing, I believe, is that Mary, because she was there at the feet of Jesus, she heard what Jesus said next, which was his prayer 
to his heavenly father. I don't think that Jesus shouted it. I think that he simply uttered it. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you hear me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead was come forth, bound head and foot with grave clothes, face was bound with a napkin, Jesus simply said, loose him and let him go. And Mary at the feet of Jesus was watching everything and listening to everything that was said. Her heart was being enlightened to the power of God by the power of God. Which brings me then to my text. You know, the scriptures tell us, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and I think he says, though that this word is not there, but it's like, remember, church, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who also has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The third occasion is this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, they made him a supper, and Martha, once again, served. Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. But where's Mary? Our heart's been enlightened. She's seen things, heard things, and it's changed her life. So what does she do? She's not serving. She's not scurrying about. She does the one thing that she has discovered she must do. She took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. She began to anoint the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. The power of God that Mary had observed from day one had led her to this point and brought her to this act. Now, what that says to me is that if we can embrace, allow, invite the power of God, not only to raise us on the last day, not only to fix our daily problems, but if we can allow the power of God to come into our heart and soul and mind and spirit, we then can discover what true worship actually is. I wonder of everyone who was at that supper that they had fixed him, I wondered what they thought. Well, I know what Judas thought. 
Of course, he did not have an enlightened heart. In fact, the scriptures are very clear that Judas was one who had a heart full of darkness, and everything he did was at night. In fact, what the scriptures say, it was Judas who said, well, why was this fragrant oil uh, not sold for 300 denarii? And we could have given it to the poor. But it says he didn't really want to give it to the poor. He wanted to keep it. No, he didn't understand it. I don't know whether Mary understood it. I'm not for sure about Lazarus. I think he did, but it was Mary who acted upon her heart being changed and enlightened as to the power of God that resides in this one called Jesus, the one that I'm going to anoint his feet. What's interesting about that to me is it brought Mary to this point that worship of the Lord, honoring him, was worth everything. Very expensive oil. It also was worth anything to do that. She did not mind humbling herself and cleaning and wiping his feet with her hair. That didn't bother her. Why? Because she had come to a realization and she began to see who Jesus Christ truly is. I think in that, that leaves something for us, at least in my mind. The scriptures tell us God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. In this series, I wanted to show that while the power of God is behind the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we will celebrate on Easter, the power of God is not limited to just that time, but is offered to each of us every day of our lives, in every aspect of our lives, that it can change our lives, it can enlighten our hearts, and it can lift our souls, which cause us to bend our knee. And give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about the power of God and the, and, the, and the ability for it to change, I'm reminded in closing of the, I think it was a prayer, or at least it was an encouragement of a prayer that Paul was telling the church at Ephesus. When he would think about the power of God, here's what he wrote. For this cause, he writes, I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would also grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, Paul says to the church, with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Paul writes, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory. That's what brought Mary to this place in this passage. She had realized 
She had sat first at the feet of Jesus that first time, listened to his words. She then observed the words of Jesus Christ raising her brother from the dead. She had heard all the things that Jesus had said and prayed to his heavenly father. And that's what finally brought her to this point that she took a pound, a very costly spikenard. She anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance. Let our house, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our spirit of each of us be filled with the fragrance of the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words that truly help us to navigate and understand your love for us, but also your willingness to help us in our walk in this life. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that understanding, enlighten our heart, bring us out of darkness, walk with us when we find ourselves in these valleys of shadows, Lord. And when you do, we will give you the honor for it because it is your power that you have given to us. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul said, unto you be glory for what you have done in us. In our Lord's name we pray, amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close and beautiful song, beautiful hymn. How do we sing? What page, Ed? In 443. 443, open my eyes. Let's all sing this together. Let this be our prayer. Glimpses.